You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. We've got another great podcast lined up for this week, but before we dive into that topic, let's meet our guests for this episode. So first up, you know him as the guy whose name sounds like a dinosaur. He loves playing video games. He talks about Voltron, and that is Mike Trex. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Rawr. <laughs> That was that was a really sad uh, excuse for a dinosaur roar, Mike. I'm adorable. Leave me alone. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's so, an adorable roar. So has anything uh, new and exciting happened to you since the last time you were on? I actually just wrapped up a podcast with uh, our mutual friend Sean doing covering the American Gods show on stars mm. we just did we basically covered it every episode and we did eight episodes eight shows and now we're just waiting for season two and that was fantastic time to do oh it was so much fun oh that's cool anything new and exciting in the video game world for you <laughs> the steam summer sale has started <laughs> as of this recording uh-huh. and i'm just scrolling through steam right now just like what am i gonna buy what am i gonna spend money i can't buy and it's it's this is the hell for gamers it's a good hell but it's this is a torture we we're like even this summer and the winter sales we're never prepared my friend was like didn't you save up money all year no it kind of just happens do Mm. you save money yes but you're a better adult leave me alone (laughs) hey you just gotta do what you gotta do right Mm mm-hmm all right well it's great to have you back mike it's good to be back sir all right next up He's a man who I met podcasting on other shows. He's the perennial co-host of both Earth Station 1 and Earth Station 2. He's also producing a book that will be available at DragonCon, and that is my friend Mike Gordon. How are you doing, Mike? Howdy! Glad to be back. Thanks for the invite. Hey, no problem. Always glad to have you on to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, that's uh, I appreciate that, and uh, it's always nice to see other parts of the station, and, and, and you got to stretch the legs a little bit. Right. Yeah, come down to the the dusty, unused portions of the station every now and then. Well, I'll, I'll tell you, JD does such a bad job with uh, maintenance. Uh, it's, it's it's all pretty dusty, even in the command center. But you know, we we make do. <laughs> so I was wondering, do you want to talk at all about the uh, the Tales from the Station uh, book? Um, sure, I can. There's not a lot to talk about like right now in terms of specifics, but I can tell you uh, because I've already announced it on our show that yes, there will be a second volume of Tales in the Station, and uh, we have gotten the the writers for that, and uh, the the stories are have been submitted and they've been read. Uh, there's still um, the editing process as well as laying out the book to do, but everything is pretty much set. I can reveal i guess since i'm on your show i can reveal that uh you've actually got a story in there which is very exciting Yay! 
I'm excited. So, yeah, I haven't gone through a complete list on our show yet, uh, but I have announced a, a couple people. So, yeah, uh, it says like some of the people that were returning from the first volume, mm-hmm. like Scott Vigay and also uh, Joe Crow will uh, uh, contribute stories. They contribute stories to the uh, first volume. But it's a pretty eclectic group. Uh, all the <laughs> stories were very, very interesting. I had a lot of fun reading them. And if, and if I had fun, hopefully other people will have fun reading them as well. Now, did Joe submit Manimal fan fiction? <laughs> well, I'm not at liberty to say, okay. but <laughs> it may or may not. Well, you know, whenever Joe writes anything, it's really Manimal fan fiction. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, Homo sapiens and all. <laughs> exactly. I don't think he can ever stop uh, with his love for Manimal. Right. Oh man! So uh, anything else uh, happened? It's been a while since you've been on. Uh, you know, in the last few months, anything do you want to share on the show? Um, it's been. You know, it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but you're right, it has. I mean, this year has flown by, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, everything is still happening uh, on ESO very well, and you know, producing the books and all that kind of stuff. So actually, Tales of the Station Volume Two is probably the most immediate release that we've got. So mm. that's pretty much all I've got to hawk anyway. Well, cool, and it's uh. Great to have you back, Mike. Oh, great to be back. Thank you so much. And I definitely look forward to uh, talking Gotham. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. Now I'm looking forward to it, too. And lastly, we have someone brand new to the 42 cast. He is an expert in American sci-fi fiction. He's a guy that I've met doing podcasts on tons of other shows. And that is my friend Gary Mitchell. How, how are you, Gary? I'm I'm well. I'm I'm distracted by steam. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> Focus <laughs> on the podcast, Gary. <laughs> steam away. They've got XCOM 2 on sale. <laughs> So good. So, uh, Gary, since this is your first time on the show, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Oh, my name is Gary Mitchell, and yes, Star Trek fans, it's my real name. It's not a nom de guerre. Uh, I was just lucky. (laughs) So, being a geek is my first best destiny, as I like to say. Uh, I am a podcaster. Uh, I am a sort of writer i've done i've got fiction that has not come out and i do reviews and stuff for revolutionsf.com and for the podcasting is also through revolutionsf.com and any place that'll let me run my mouth like this fine wonderful podcast uh, i've been on quite a few different ones i've been on the earth station who and apparently uh mr gordon uh joe crow has already let me know that diana and i are characters in his story for tales from the station so <laughs> i am now living in fear <laughs> <laughs> that's that's okay both uh mike gordon and mike faber turn up in my story so. we we actually turn up in everybody's story okay. and it's very interesting to see how uh we are depicted uh in various uh forms yes it tells it says a lot about us i think but uh and a lot of times we end up dead i don't know what that's all about but i just uh, they're, not any they're spoilers to tell you here. something not not in, not to give any spoilers here but in the first volume we died quite a bit and yeah in this volume it, let's, let's face it if you like to read stories about mike and mike dying these are the two volumes for you <laughs> and and ryan guthrie shows up in mine as a villain so. oh there you go <laughs> And the, the biggest thing I should should mention is the fact that along with Mr. Joe Crow, I am co-director of the American Sci-Fi Classics track at DragonCon. So yes. that that's my biggest claim to fame. And although I'm doing more conventions now that I'm in Atlanta, I've been to Hulanta and I've been to 
uh, right in Acrocon. I did some panels there. So hopefully I'm going to be doing the Harry Potter con uh, conjuration in the fall. So anything exciting you can share about uh, what you got coming up for the uh, sci-fi classics track? It's still in production. I will let you know. Let's see. Guest wise, we have one. And uh, now I'm blanking on his name. Hater, Hatter. He plays. He played Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, okay. Uh, he's our guest so far. Hopefully we'll have more. But, you know, if we don't, we don't. Mm-hmm. But we've got our schedule mostly in the bag. And, and anyone who knows us, we are not doing 8.30 panels this year in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I know when I went, that was my least favorite part. Uh it's like i think i'm still drunk hold on (laughs) why am i I up this early i got up 8 30 in the morning on saturday morning to do a thundar the barbarian panel and while the the panel was great the people that were on the panel were great it was like why and then of course i couldn't leave because the parade was going on outside so it was like oh i'm stuck here for (laughs) another couple (laughs) of god knows how long (laughs) right one other thing I'll I'll tease out here is Joe and I are working with the Star Wars tr- track people. Mm-hmm. We are going to be doing a screening of a very special hol- uh, uh, Star Wars show that sometimes came out on a holiday. <laughs> I wonder what you could be talking about. Yes. Well, here here's the trick. We're going to do a little bit of a talk beforehand, and then as it's playing... If you want to leave, this is all for the Dragon Con charity, which this year is, uh, I have forgotten and they'll hang me. But for charity, if you want to leave before it's over, you have to pay to get out of the room. (laughs) And the earlier in the time, the more expensive it is. (laughs) If you stay the whole time, it's free. Uh, that 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 special might pain enough people that you guys could make a pretty good bank there because uh, yeah, I've seen it once and never again. <laughs> I can't get those two hours back. Nope. Oh, yeah. Well, cool. I wish I could go to Dragon Con, but I'm still paying off the time I went like three years ago. So. <laughs> Why do you think I moved to Atlanta? <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, now try multiplying the expenses by four, and oh. you can feel my pain. Yes. But you're still feeling it. Right, yes, exactly. So it's like, someday I'll be back. Someday. But, yeah, no, that's awesome. And yeah, I I, I, I will promote Dragon Con wherever possible, because it was incredibly fun, and the Sci-Fi Classics track was great, and you guys are very welcoming to uh, new folks who are coming down there and everything. Oh, and Mr... Trexite is also once again doing uh, videos with us for the sing-along. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> cool. This That'll is, be Thursday. I think this is like my third year in a row doing videos for DragonCon. Mm. Nice. Mm. I'm very happy. Do you do the videos and then not go? Because I thought I heard you say once that you don't go to DragonCon. I do not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I went the, the year... I did. I combined the three Star Wars prequels into a movie with Sean. I went for the first. That was my very first time going to Dragon Con, and I went on a Saturday. And it was basically I got there at six in the morning. It's about a three-hour drive from mm-hmm. my house, so I drove there. Got there at six, stood in line, got my ticket there all day. Left around ten o'clock. Got home around maybe one ish and passed out. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've been to New York Comic Con. Dragon Con, I was not prepared. <laughs> Dragon that, Con is like nothing part. else you will ever experience in your life. Yeah, you really can't compare it to anything else. It's it's its own beast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never been to Mardi Gras, but I expect that Dragon Con is like the fusion of a big con with Mardi Gras. Yeah. 
Yep. Someone someone should really make a podcast about it. Oh wait! <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug, plug. I, I do I do host did I say I was done shilling? Well <laughs> Yeah, the con I, report. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. The monthly Dragon Con report. All year round, baby. Mm-hmm. Only uh, only at fine uh, ESO stores. <laughs> Where fine ESO products can be found. Uh, yes. All right. Well, Gary, it's great to have you on the 42 cast. It's good to be here. And now for those of you who are rejoining us, you know what's coming up next, and that's five questions. So for those of you who are joining us for the first time, and for Gary, what five questions is, is it's five random questions that a random number generator spits out at me that can only have two possible answers. It's a way for us to just kind of loosen up before the podcast, and it's a way to just give people who are listening just a little bit of insight into where we stand on various topics, most of which are geeky, but every once in a while there's like a Ginger or Marianne kind of question. Okay, first question. Better 80s cartoon, G.I. Joe or Transformers? G.I. Joe. And why is that? You can just give like a couple sentences. Cobra Commander, Storm Shadows, uh, Snake Eyes, uh, action. Mm. All right. Be- and better opening theme song. Oh. Hey, I Fighting said words. It. <laughs> I said it. <laughs> All right, uh, Mike Ward. Can you believe I didn't watch either? Oh. But I will say I have been to conventions that celebrate. Uh, I've been to TFCon and I've been to Jolanta. And uh, I had much more fun at Jolanta. So I will side with G.I. Joe. Jo- jo. Okay. You do this every time, Nathan. And I don't appreciate it. <laughs> I, 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 this is, oh my God. I have to go with Transformers. I've, I'm just a huge giant robot fan. I love G.I. Joe, but I, and honestly, the 1985 Transformers animated movie is still the best Transformers movie to date. Mm-hmm. And it still holds up. And that's where my soundtrack comes from. My answer may, I got or, the may, touch. Been, my answer may or may not have been influenced by the Bay films. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's dragon. Hey, I just said 80s cartoon. You're not supposed to consider the Bay films as part of your answer. <laughs> Alright, yeah, uh, for me, uh, very similar to uh, Mike Nelson, I am a huge Transformers fan. I have over 80 Transformers still. They're in horrible shape because I played with them quite a bit, but for some reason I keep bringing them with me on moves, and my kids play with them now. But yeah, uh, I love Transformers. I think it's a great sci-fi show even now. Um, I've rewatched it with my kids, and I still enjoy it. So yeah, and I'll see your Cobra Commander and raise him a Starscream, and think the theme song for Transformers uh, Season 2 is better than G.I. Joe. So there we go. (laughs) (laughs) And fight. (laughs) All right. Uh, second question. How do you self-identify? Geek or nerd? Nerd. And that was a pure coin toss. Okay. <laughs> For me, publicly, geek. Privately, nerd. Geek in the streets, nerd in the sheets. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, I am definitely a geek. I, I am not smart enough to be a nerd. <laughs> Yeah, see, this is one of those weird things for me that's really surreal, which is why I kind of just curious and like to ask this question is because, you know, when I was growing up, you didn't want to be either of those things. And now it's like, okay, to say I'm probably geek a little more than nerd, but probably if I was to go by the strict definitions, I'm a nerd, even though I never call myself that. That's just because, you know, of the trauma while I was growing up, so... Geek seems to be a little more uh, acceptable these days to identify as, so 
I say things about being a geek and whatnot, but yeah, I'm probably a nerd. If I had better grades, I would be a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Third question. Chris Pratt or Chris Pine? Why do you hurt me? <laughs> <laughs> he does this! He does it! He's a monster. Oh, I'm gonna have to... I, is, I love Pratt. I love Pratty Pratt. And Star-Lord is amazing. But I gotta give it up for uh, for Steve Trevor, Captain Kirk. Give me a pine. If uh, if it yeah, before pre Wonder Woman, I would have said Pratt. But I'm gonna go with Pine as well. Uh, I am definitely a Pratt. That's I love Pine, but Pratt all day, her <laughs> day. You know that would be insulting if you were speaking to somebody British to say that you're a Pratt. But anyway. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, Frank gave me some English lessons today. And it's like, crap, I am a Pratt. Oh, no, I am not. Yeah, for me, it's Chris Pine. I think that he's got better acting chops than he gets credit for. And uh, definitely his performance in Wonder Woman was excellent. And I really think uh, he's not getting enough credit for Star the third Star Trek movie, whose name escapes me at the mm-hmm. moment. Oh, Beyond. Into beyond. Darkness. Or Beyond, yeah. Yeah, Beyond, yeah. Because uh, I feel like in the first two, he was just doing that sort of smarmy character that, you know, lots of actors have done. But in that third movie, he was really bringing some gravitas to the role of Kirk. So uh, I appreciated that. He made Kirk his own instead of having to copy Shatner. Yeah. yeah. That's how I felt that third was, and that's why the third one is the best one for me. Yeah, and just the, his, you know, to kind of go spoilers here, but anyone who hasn't seen Wonder Woman, when Steve Trevor has, you know, is in the plane at the end, mm-hmm. he sells that moment with no dialogue. Yeah. And I was in tears. I also love the scene where he's emoting and we don't hear what he's saying until later yes. when they flash back to it. And yeah. You also understand exactly what he's saying, you know, before she realizes what he was saying. All right. Fourth question. Better Nintendo franchise, Mario or Zelda? Mario. Though I don't really have a dog in this fight. I've never been a Nintendo guy. <gasps> I know. I, 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 I had Atari. <laughs> I, I'm in that same boat, actually. But I've heard more about Mario, so I'll go with that as well. It's a toughie, because I'm going to go with Mario, only because the the last Zelda game I played was Ocarina of Time, and it's because no other Zelda game really interests me after that. Oh, okay. I, with I've both Mario, that. I can play Mario 64, like, all day. I don't know why. Like, even in my mind, I'm, I'm, I'm having it played in my head, and I'm playing it in my head. Yeah, I've played a ton of Mario. I have never played a single Zelda game, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, for me, it's Zelda all the way. I like the exploration and adventure aspects of it, and so that interests me a lot more. Believe me, I love a good platformer, and Mario is fun, uh, you know, and he's got a lot of spinoffs, too, so it's not all platformers, but if I'm going by what's pure Mario versus Zelda, you know, I find that kind of game fun, but I think that there's just a little more meat on Zelda, so I'll go with Zelda. Alright, so final question. Pluto, lifeless hunk of rock or planet? It can't be both. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to say it's a planet because it was a planet when I was in school, and so uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson can stuff himself. There you go. Uh, you know what? Tyson's good enough for me, you know? Uh, uh, so if he says, uh, get over it, get over it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% with Gary on this one. I was taught in school to plant. It will always be a plant. And the only thing I have to disagree with Neil deGrasse Tyson on is this knowledge. Pluto is a planet. Let him do what he do. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, this is one of those things where it's like, the reason why it was declared not a planet is kind of wishy-washy to me, and I get that they were trying to create, uh, you know, a more rigid framework and whatnot, but there's all sorts of ways to classify something, so it's not science in the sense of it's true or it isn't, it just depends on where you draw the lines in your classification, so to me, I don't see why Pluto couldn't stay a planet. In fact, I like the idea better that, you know, there are more planets out there, but they didn't want anything, you know, out you know, uh, in the in the Kuiper Belt to be declared a planet. So, you know, Pluto is a planet for me. So, all right, that's the end of another five questions. It wasn't as rough as the other ones. Okay. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Next time, I'll make sure to get you, Mike. I'll, I'll bring all the feels out. Thanks. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So before we dive into our topic, let's pause for a promo from another fine podcast. Are you looking for a podcast that's a little bit out of the ordinary, a little bit crazy, and a little bit on the rambunctious side? Well, have I got something for you. It's called Vitamin Geek Podcast. My name's Corey Keelan. I'm the host and creator of Vitamin Geek Podcast, and I'm here to invite you to listen to my show. Each episode, I'm coming to you with whatever I think is important at the time. Maybe it's a new movie. Maybe it's a comic book. Maybe it's horror. Maybe it's drag queens. Who knows? I love to talk, and I'd just love to get you guys involved in the conversation. I invite you all to check out my Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash vitamin geek podcast. I would love to hear your feedback. So please join me and check us out here, Vitamin Geek Podcast, here on the ESO Network. And we're back. So... This week, we're talking about Gotham Season 3. Now, Mike and Mike uh, were with us last time. We talked about the first half of the season, where we basically said that Gotham has been cranked up to 15. Uh, Forget 11. (laughs) The dial has broken that. It's gone all the way up to 15. (laughs) And we talked about how, at least for Mike Mike Nelson and myself, Gotham in the first season wasn't really doing it for us. But since the second season and when the show sort of discovered that it wanted to go in that kind of out there crazy direction, we've been on board because it's a lot of fun to watch. And uh, so, Gary, I'm just curious, uh, you know, about your feelings about the show up to this, you know, up to this point, not talking about the second half of the season, but Mm -hmm. where did you kind of fall on that? Kind of like you, I seem to remember doing another podcast with you talking about the first season of, of Gotham. Yeah, it might have been on a Rev News. <laughs> yes, something. I think it was the Rev News because I was there. <laughs> no, I. <laughs> Rev News. What but, happened to that show? <laughs> um, computer issues. Oh. So, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, we're getting it back on track, Swear. Uh, okay. But anyway, yeah, the first season, the first half, of the first season, I thought it was great. The second half of the first season, it was like what? And I literally, it, it got so bad, I tuned out. I bailed. I didn't watch almost any of the second season at all. But I kept seeing other people, you among them, going, "It's getting better. It's getting better." I'm like, "No, I'm good. I'm out." It was terrible writing. And then it started the Wrath of the Villain things and it brought in Mr. Freeze. And I'm like, okay, Freeze is one of my boys. I got to check it out and see what they do to Victor. And I was like, okay, this is actually better. Maybe Nathan and everybody else is true that it's gotten better. And I just stayed with it after that. And once they brought in, I think the... I think the two key things was they figured out what they were, which was crazy, mm-hmm. and may, bringing in B.D. Wong. 
<laughs> and, you know, it's like there isn't a piece of scenery on that set left without his teeth marks in it. <laughs> and so the, the end of the second season, I was back all in. And this third season has been an absolute ball. And just the crazier it gets, the better it gets. <laughs> You know, you though you bring up one of my few complaints about this season is that they have woefully underused BD Wong. Yes. <laughs> he was in like one episode in the first half of the season and then he's like one two maybe three in the second half and Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and Fish. You know, I thought that they were going to go somewhere mm-hmm. with her storyline. I was hoping. But apparently it's a matter of, well, we, we can't afford her anymore. <laughs> right. like, you bring her back just to, and oh, uh, of course, spoilers. Everyone who, who listens to this podcast should know by now. Liberal spoilers, but I should declare it ahead of time. But, you know, you bring her back just to kill her off without her having really done much of anything which i found really disappointing yeah and i think that's also it it's really such a shame because she was one of the things that really worked in the early part of the first season and she was season three gotham in season one she was Mm. that level crazy the rest of the show hadn't just caught up with her yet (laughs) and now that it has (laughs) it's funny that you say that because mike gordon brought that up in our previous episode that for him she was the one part of season one that didn't work because she didn't fit in with the rest of the show and now the yeah. rest of the show has kind of got gone to her level. Now it's like, oh, okay, she just fits right in. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, she because she had dialed it up to 11, and everybody else was like at a 7 or 8, and then the show became like everybody else dialed it up to 15, so by the time she came back, she was like, Almost like, yeah, she's not really that interesting now. Right. <laughs> yeah, when you compare it to, uh, you know, what's going on with Nigma and everything else, mm-hmm. it's kind of like, oh, you're, you're actually, like, kind of straight, you know? <laughs> yeah. So the next storyline, uh, you know, after what we talked about last time, was when they brought Jerome back. Right. And mm, this kid. Yeah, how did you feel about Jerome coming back, Mike? Because uh, Mike Gordon, because I know that you were kind of iffy on the Jerome character. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big Joker fan, and you know, the legacy needs to be there. And I love the fact I, the original intent was that they were going to leave it pretty open, and they were going to explore like different ideas of who ultimately could be the Joker, which mm. I thought that's interesting. But then they kind of, along with everything else, they kind of just went, you know what, let's double down and let's just make him, you know, pretty much the Joker template, which I still can't say that I'm very happy with. And his reintroduction, ultimately, he's probably not, well, he's definitely not my my favorite among the villains or characters, Mm -hmm. but uh, I, I, he was more palatable in some ways, the return of him, but I'm glad it, it wasn't forever. I'm glad he's like gone, gone now. Mm. And I love the ending with the the fun house and all that kind of stuff, and and his final conversation with Bruce. I thought that was really well done. Yeah, no, I I agree with a lot of that. I um I like the fact that it spun off from that the idea that Bruce has to have a line that he doesn't cross. Yes, which is a great nod to you know the development of of Bruce into Batman, and and you know the funny thing is one of the things that the show has you know definitely done is you know that idea that it originally had that this is commissioner gordon's origin story has just been thrown out the window yes he's the most boring character on the show (laughs) (laughs) i 
I know. Even when he gets infected, he's boring. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it just it just extenuates his boringness. Yeah. I swear to God, I would love if they start one season with him getting killed. And who's this new guy? He's Detective James J. Gordon. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't I like? But but see, I think you need him. You need a guy who's like he's the straight man and all mm. this nonsense. And and Ben, I don't have a problem with Ben. I think he plays it really well. And I I think. He's fine. Like, I don't have a problem with him, but he's boring, but he's supposed to be the guy who's boring. Like, if they made him... I was kind of worried about where they were going to go with him being infected, but it ultimately was just, like, boring as well. So I was <laughs> like, okay, well, that that fits his character, and, you know, with, he's, he's the main guy, and I get that. With all the crazy that's going around, you've got to have that one guy that's, that's just there going, my God, everything is crazy. Well, yeah, you need somebody for Harvey to react off of. Yes, so that, yes. Yeah, because it's, it's more fun when Harvey is Harvey and Jim is completely straight. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, he can be a straight laced, the straight man without being boring yeah. as hell. And I said, and we, it's like Mr. Gordon said, we know it's not the actor because when he was, you know, Clayface pretending to be Gordon, he was actually interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, can we keep this Gordon? Can we keep Clayface Gordon, maybe? Well, no. What I oh, find okay. bizarre in the extreme is that he has a real relationship with Marina Baccarin, but mm-hmm. on screen, they have zero chemistry together. I do not buy anything with them together. And I'm like, but they have a kid and they got, just got married. And I'm like, what's well, what see, they it? save all their chemistry for home. Well, I, I mean, so. I guess, yeah. Don't take work home with them. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know. I know. It's just, do we know if she's coming back or is she gone? It seems like they're writing her out. I, it, you know what? It's really weird because I, I don't know about you guys, but I got the feeling that someone, like late in the season sent them a memo and said uh you guys are getting another season because this really felt like a series finale this last episode rather than a season arc because i'm like because they they killed a bunch of people Mm -hmm. and in a way that well it is gotham so you never know but i mean i think some a lot of them are gonna like fish is dead like there's no coming dead yeah, mm-hmm. Fish is dead. Again. Sure, they can think of other reasons, but I just feel like they did, and the, the, certainly the lead up to, you know, Bruce becoming Batman at the end and everything like that, I was like, they they seem like they don't know that they're coming back. And maybe they didn't. I don't know, but it made for it a very exciting two hours, that's for sure. Yeah, my wife was like, they're coming back? She's like, this is the end. She's like, this is... Well, that's the thing. It's like they said when they were pitching the show at us that we'll never see Batman, mm. you know, and it's like, oh, well, he's right there. <laughs> well, I think what we're going to see is Bruce doing everything but have a bat-shaped cape and cowl. He's going to be the black blur. Right. Right. So, yeah, that's why I'm calling this now. It's, it's you know, how there's, like, Batman Year One, Batman Year Zero, all that kind of stuff. I'm like, this is bat- Batman Year Negative Nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, the only it's like well, the only one that I think that we can count as truly dead dead is Fish. Yeah, because Butch, when we got that reveal of his real name, it's like, oh, he'll be. Oh, back. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> I was like, he's coming back. Where that's not a problem. Sure, yeah. it did seem like it was a throw in though. It, they didn't give us anything to lead into that at all. Yeah. I, I gotta say though, between that and Agents of Shield, I'm seeing way too many people get shot through the head. And survive. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what? 
die. You know, I'm like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure if like a bullet was shot straight through your forehead, you're dead. You know? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. So yeah, I guess Butch was so born fast. on a Monday. <laughs> and Barbara is probably dead, but again, electrocution. Maybe she's you know just really, really, really unconscious with smoke coming off of her eyeball. There's this bizarre <laughs> rumor online that she's going to be Harley Quinn. Well, that's Ugh. the thing, and I don't know if you guys had heard this. There was a big thing going around that Harley Quinn is going to be in the last episode of Gotham. Mm. Yeah, the, the little boy said it on in an interview, and everyone yeah. blew up with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everybody went nuts, and like, and I, I saw my entire you know Facebook feed when the show was over. Go, where the hell was Harley Quinn? <laughs> And I wonder if it wasn't the producers going, oh, everybody knows it's coming. Let's cut it out. (laughs) Well, here's the thing with Barbara. I hated Barbara for the first two seasons. And then this third season, I thought they finally figured Barbara out as this, like, wannabe mobster and all that. And then when they killed her, I was like, oh, well, at least it's fitting they got rid of this character. But to bring her back as Harley, I think, is such a mistake because, A, she could be Jerome's mom. Maybe not quite that much, but, you know, it's close. You know, (laughs) B... You know, electrocution isn't really the Harlequin, you know, origin, you know, and I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem right to me. Come on now, Nathan. You can't use that as a template on this show. (laughs) I know, I know. I know they're not going for, you know, anything like canon, but at the same time, I feel like it should be someone who at least has that same sort of like puppy dog love for the Joker that Harley always has in every iteration. And I just, that'd just be weird if it was Barbara. Agreed. I was just hoping it, the age is still an issue, but I was hoping Lori Petty would come back because she was great. <laughs> yeah, she was. I, I, yeah, I'm not in any rush to see. I mean, I understand Harley's one of DC's most popular characters. So mm. I understand the desire to, to try to put her in here somewhere, but I, I'm good. Like I'm good with what we've got. And I think this is a show where other characters can shine uh, that normally don't get the the limelight. So, and it, and it it would seem like if Barbara was going to turn into Harley in some form, even a a template like sort of Jerome did for the Joker, then I I would sort of it would, it would be forced to me. Mm-hmm. Now that said, the way they do it could probably be so entirely crazy I would end up loving it because <laughs> that, that has happened more than once on this show. So did anyone see Tabitha as the last person standing in the whole mob war thing? No. Yeah. <laughs> but I, that, that took hurt. me by complete surprise. And I loved it, you know, that it took me by surprise. Because, you know, Barbara just, you know, kills Butch, like, right out of hand. And then I knew that Barbara was dead. I was like, oh, Tabitha, she's going to take care of you. And I love that. Tabitha came up on top. We got to give her a hand. <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then we get to uh, Selena starting to make me uncomfortable because she's this kid that's wearing like the you know <laughs> leather you know sexy outfits now, and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, at that, least... that's a little yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah but it does bring up how do people feel about the poison ivy change growing her up? I felt like she was really boring too on the villain side and there were all sorts of occasions where her pheromone power would have come in handy that she doesn't use it and i felt that that inconsistency was you know was was really easy to spot and i don't know i just and she's just too kind 
you know, I don't know. I just felt like she doesn't feel like a poison ivy. I think they're trying to play up her she's actually a kid innocence thing, but Mm. that doesn't work when you give her cleavage out to there, you know? Well, and plus, they just make it seem like, you know, she's just dumb as a post. Mm -hmm. So nine times out of ten, she just comes across as being dumb. And which I never really associated with Ivy, but I will say that the scenes, what what wins me over with her is her scenes with Cobblepot because like they, and, but then again, I don't think Robert Lord Taylor has a bad scene with anybody. So I, I think he's the MVP of the show. I still think I said that before when I was on here and I still think that that's the case. I, I he, like if it wasn't for his portrayal of Cobblepot, AKA the penguin, this show would be like 50% worse than it is. I think. No, I really loved how their relationship developed and that it was just kind of like he just needed an ally, any ally, and she showed that she had some abilities that would be helpful. But then it's like after she does that and proves herself to him, she's like at his side all the time. He he has her close. And I liked that. I I thought that that worked really well. I even liked the whole idea that Penguin, as the guy who was always picked on for being freakish, has decided that you know, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have the free... I tried to be the cool kid running yep. for mayor and fitting in that way. And now it's just going to be like, I'm going to control Gotham through having all the other, you know, odd people. I'm going to be the king of the freaks. Mm. Yeah, It's an odd character arc for him this season because, you know, like you said, he starts off the season as I'm going to become mayor because I'm the guy who fought the freaks and drove them out of town. Mm-hmm. And now he's embraced the complete opposite of instead of being the mayor of Gotham, I'm going to be the underground guy with the freaks. It's a really interesting flip. Yeah, I think I think does. when we we spoke about this last, I think my my hope was that this season would be the Cobblepot uh, Enigma War. Mm-hmm. And yeah. even though we got that throughout the season, and in a, in a much different way than I thought we would, I have to say that the ending of that was beautiful. Because yeah. throughout most of the season, Cobblepot looks like he's the lesser. Like, the Enigma's mm-hmm. always in charge, he's always on top... And I didn't feel like they were equals. And even though I wanted a battle between the two of them, I always felt like the writers were giving Nigma a little bit more. But to see what happens at the end play out, I was like, oh, you bastards. You just were setting me up, weren't you? Because <laughs> that was, I mean, you know, that was beautiful. It was just beautiful to show that, yes, he's at, actually outsmarted uh, the Riddler and, uh, and then went on to, you know, become... Much like the penguin that we know today. Right, yes. and he's going to have mm-hmm. the Iceberg Lounge. And and yes. the reason for the Iceberg Lounge. Like, you know, we've always had, like, I think ever since the animated series, that I think that was that that introduced the Iceberg Lounge. And it was always just, oh, yeah, well, of course he'd call it that because he's the penguin. Of course, that's the, but to give it this extra meaning. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because he's got literally his, his, <laughs> his, like, you know, arch nemesis at this time anyway on ice. Uh, yeah. just, What's your like, over under that he's out within five episodes of season four? <laughs> oh yeah, I don't know. It would be five, <laughs> like two. <laughs> They'll give us one nice episode where Ed's frozen and we see him frozen, you know, all the time in the lounge, and then by the end of the second episode, somebody will release him or something, or the power will go out for enough time for it to melt or something. Or I need Ed. <laughs> oh, that's true. It could yeah. be like the, that. The, yeah. yeah, as much as I have loved the the Cobblepot Ed storyline and them fighting each other, I do have to bring up 
that for me it was a little uncomfortable that they made trying to think of how to properly put this without like coming across like a crazy person but Mm -hmm. i hate the fact that it was it was that that cobblepot fell in love with him Mm. and that was where the thing because we've had so many they turned it into slash fiction yeah where they turned it into (laughs) slash fiction and how many times do we have to have he's a villain he's a gay he's a villain therefore he's gay or he's gay therefore he's a villain or you know it's it's too many times gay people are thrown into villainous roles and it's like come on guys you know and i kind of have to say i was kind of actually really enjoying the shipping of Ed and Cobblepot. <laughs> I was too. I thought they were a great couple. <laughs> yeah. and I, and I think I it's much say- more complicated than that. I mean, I don't think, I, I don't take it that, that Cobblepot is necessarily gay. I think he just fell in love with Ed and, and that's a whole different thing. So, I mean, I mean, who knows how that could play out later. Mm. And, and our culture really does not have to do men who are friends without, you know, going into that. But anyway, that's a whole... Well, yeah, in fact, that's what I thought it was at first. I thought it was just, I was like, oh, people are going to take this the wrong way, that really these two are just really close and are okay with hugging each other because, you know, some guys are, you know? And then it's like, oh, no, it went like a whole nother level where he's like getting rid of Ed's girlfriend and everything else. I'm like, oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, no, I... I, This show is so crazy that next season, you know... Oswald could be mate trying to mate with another penguin, a literal <laughs> penguin, and, 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 and you know we wouldn't bat an eye. We'd just be like, "Yep, that's what. That's how crazy this show is." You make a valid point, Mister Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's really fun. I, I I love the fact that this is it's really interesting. It started out as a procedural, mm. and I and I understand why you guys dropped out of it because as a procedure procedural it wasn't really working that well and i love the fact that they decided to just release that and 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 you know pardon my my bat french but they went bat crazy like they just decided to like go like crazy with it and i i love that they did that and embraced it and those of us who stuck around as long as you just release your preconceived notions of what you think the origin story of batman is because this is this is an interesting point that someone pointed out to me the other day and i have to give credit to uh the guys at the raging bullets podcast for this because i hadn't really made this connection before although it's really interesting is that We've never experienced Gotham like this because we've been told story and story and story after like all this time that Batman created the situation in Mm -hmm. Gotham, that Batman came first and inspired all these villains to go crazy. Like the world is changing. It's time for us to change too, kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And this is the, this is the first time that I can think of where it's established that Gotham is crazy and the answer to it needs someone like to step up and be above and beyond crazy like Batman to in order to fight the crime and, and deal with it. Yeah. And and it's amazing to me that they've managed to make that a thing where because I don't think that was their original goal. Right. Yeah. No, I, I I really do see the sea change with them that, you know, they've completely abandoned what they told everyone. Well, I mean, two things. I mean, you already brought up what they told everyone they were going to do with the Joker, but also what they were doing with Gordon, that it was going to be Gordon's story, because you see the focus shifting away from Gordon to Bruce, who was almost just a sort of 
vestigial character in the first season. They felt like they had to be there because, oh, it has to start with his parents dying. But they didn't know what to do with Bruce in the first season. Whereas now in season three, it's as much Bruce's story as it is Gordon's. Well, and they it's are... not just Bruce's story. It's Bruce's story. It's Cobblepot's story. It's become an ensemble show. Mm. Yeah. They, and they are picking, they're picking things out of comic continuity, out of Batman 66 continuity, out of animated series continuity, everything. <laughs> like They're picking all these things, putting it into a blender, and serving it to you on ice and saying, there you go, swallow this. Um, yeah. and, it, and, it's, and it tastes really good. <laughs> it's, it's amazing because it shouldn't. You know, you're like, right. you know, every you want to gag it up because it's like it doesn't it doesn't follow with anything that you've ever seen before. But yet they're able to make it work. And I, I, I and we also talked about this prior, you know, on the first one. But I will go on to say that even though that they might have faced, you know, not coming back or cancellation or what have you, out of all the, the superhero shows that I watch on TV, this one has the highest production values. This one obviously costs more money to make, and it shows with every single scene because it's gorgeously filmed. Mm -hmm. The effects are amazing. The casting is great. I mean, this this show spends its money wisely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, who else? Oh, sorry. I was going to ask, uh, and and Mike Nelson, I want to give you a chance to chime in because I feel like we've been kind of talking over you. But uh, <laughs> you know, how did you feel about Alexander Siddig as Rachel Ghoul? Man, I tell you what, I, you see that you see a guy all over the place in film and movie, in film and TV and everything, and then you see him in that one character and just get blown away. And he wasn't even there for right. a long time, but I just like, where are you going, sir? Please come back. Please. <laughs> I just love the, the fact that they the pronounced. I wanted. Yeah. I just love the fact they pronounced his name correctly. I'm like, finally, <laughs> Batman begins Airho, you know, all these shows. It's like Raz Al Ghul. And I'm like, no, <laughs> just watch Batman, the animated series. <laughs> So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he did such a fantastic job, and I'm really, I'm really upset that that's because even on the previews, and even when months beforehand, we're like, oh, we're gonna have Rachel Ghoul, like, ooh, neat, l let's do this, and lit up to all just that. I'm mm. Like, I wanted more, I mm. expected more, but what I got, I'm okay with. Well. He, he's the best Rachel Ghoul since David Warner. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would even suffice to say is he's the best, period. Out of all the ones that I've seen so far, he's the best. I mean, certainly you could argue, you know, racially, he's like the, you know, there's mm -hmm. a pun there, I'm sure. But that he's like, he fits that mold better than anybody who's ever played him. But also, you know, I, of course, we all know Alex from his run on Deep Space Nine and other mm -hmm. things. I've never seen him play a villain in a character like this, and he is really awesome at it. So, yes, mm -hmm. I hope he does come back as well. Yeah, he was amazing in you know that five to ten minutes. He was better as Rachel Ghoul than the guy on Arrow was for an entire season. Right, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a pretty low bar that he has to get that's, above. That's true. Though. That's Man. absolutely true. But I love that they're like full on bringing Lazarus pits in and everything, and it's yeah. just like you know what. <laughs> yeah. 
we don't even have to try to be scientifically anything anymore. It's just there. Here's the magic, you know, water of life, you know. <laughs> yeah. and, and is it just me, or was I like, oh no, Alfred's been stabbed? Oh well, good thing there's a Lazarus pit right there. <laughs> right. No, Bruce, more, more. We, of it. we, we saw we, helium, but more. There was there was no suspense as to how like Alfred was going to survive this, right? But yet I give him so much credit because you know that's like a that's like a Force Awakens scene, right? Mm. Between. Yeah between Bruce and Alfred that it's like that I think even works better than the one in Force Awakens. Yeah. I, I was completely riveted during that scene and both David and Sean nailed that. I mean they've been building their great relationship for, you know, these this this two and a half, three seasons. And my God, it culminated there and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe he did it. Like I just was yeah. I was out of my chair. <laughs> right. And I love the fact that hit breaking Bruce's conditioning is what Raish yes. wanted. Yeah. Yes. That absolutely that was that was brilliant. It was no, oh you broke your conditioning, you're no good to me. It's like, yes, you're the person I'm looking for. Someone strong <laughs> enough. Yeah, I uh, I was really bothered by Bruce's arc through those last few episodes because I was like, what in the world are these guys doing with Bruce? Like, they're making him a villain to become Batman? I'm like, this is some weird, messed up thing that they're doing. And then, then when it got to that point, it was like, okay, now I'm a lot better with this because I, I just couldn't see what they were doing with that. And I like that. I like a show that surprises me with the arc that they're telling because a lot of times with shows i know a couple episodes ahead exactly what's going to happen and it's boring <laughs> you know? I, not with gotham yeah with- <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was kind of and i made the joke when i was watching this with jessa when they got goth alfred to the hospital it's like well we, he would have been okay but somebody put some sort of weird sewer water in his chest and it's causing all kinds of problems <laughs> 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 yeah, Gotham will end up becoming Killer Croc, or uh, Alfred will start becoming Killer Croc or something. You know what? I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past this show. <laughs> yeah, and again, this is the one of the things is embracing the crazy. Mm. The fact that they do things like this, like letting oh, and now I can't remember his name, the police chief. Uh, oh, Barnes. Yeah, Barnes. letting Barnes go full on crazy with the blood infection and a lot of shows would have had Gordon get out of uh, the underground grave without injecting himself with the virus mm-hmm. yeah, and they went no screw it inject him <laughs> yeah. I-, I just wanted Barnes just one time to say it's clobbering time that's, that's all I wanted <laughs> you really did you really did <laughs> it got I thought that would have been a fun nod <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know <laughs> Yeah. Of course, now they have a cure, so I don't know what that's going to (laughs) do. Oh, you know, he'll probably be like Jervis Tetch or something. Oh, he's too far gone. The cure is not going to work. Yeah, Um, yeah. That would be great. Oh, can we talk about him for a second? Sure. Sure. Mad Hatter. Awesome. Oh, Oh, so good. I mean, you know, obviously, you know, the, the, the dwarfy one that we've all been used to in the comics and the cartoons and everything like that is great. And he really fulfills that, that sort of role. But this sort of, you know, emo hatter, right. Mm -hmm. That they, that they give us. I just thought it was, he was great in that part and uh, really well done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I'm glad that it came because I thought his storyline was done at the halfway yep. point. You know, he's yeah. in jail. They, you know, uh, had rounded up uh, or we knew who was infected or thought we knew. And it's like, no, that's the whole point of the whole second half is, you know, they're going to weaponize this stuff. And what happened? Like the little old lady, you know, yes. at the bank. <laughs> And again, this is a show where in any other show, oh, they would have stopped the bomb. No, Gotham mm. goes crazy. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, and I think that's good because no matter how many people they get with the cure, there's going to be like one or two left. Yeah. You know who oh, they yeah. don't find or whatever, and so they're kind of setting the scene for why are there there so many crazed personalities out in Gotham? Well, here's another reason why some people are infected with this thing, and it's making them act out. You know whatever you know repressed fantasies they have. So you know expect <laughs> expect more weirdness to come. And I'm trying to think of some of the weirdos that you know I've seen in Batman before that uh, could be explained by touch blood. Like that guy that like walked around like in a shark costume or whatever. <laughs> I forget his name, but anyway. They can bring in King Tut and some of those other ones too. Oh, if they brought in King Tut, that would be amazing. <laughs> Egghead. Just but who fills Victor Bruno's shoes, man? <laughs> you know, Dom Dillowitz isn't gonna do it. <laughs> Maxi Zeus, you know, they got they they oh. need to form a team or something. I don't know. I just uh well that's the thing. It's like the Really, I mean, I, I don't get the feeling that they're under any restrictions that, mm. you know, like we've seen on other shows. It's like, oh, don't use the Suicide Squad because we're doing something with them or don't do that because we're doing something with them. But, you know, we've seen, you know, Raish appear on other shows and they're not afraid to use him here. And they've done that with a couple of other characters, I think, as well. And I just get the feeling that, you know, next season we're going to get introduced to some more, but they don't really care. Like, we could get another uh, Deadshot. We could get, you know, a lot of other characters that we've already seen before in other other places. Yeah, I think that DC has released those restrictions across the board because we saw Deathstroke on Arrow at the end of the season, which was a character they mm -hmm. said they couldn't use. So I think DC's realized that it's a silly rule, that no one's going to confuse the movies and the TV shows. So I think they're just deciding, yeah, guys, just do whatever you want to do. And as long as you're not using the same character at the same time, it's probably okay. So, like, Raish is dead in Arrow, so it's perfectly fine for Gotham to use their own version of Raish because it's not confusing. Yeah, Yeah, and I was talking... I was. I was talking with Michael Faulkner about this show last weekend about Raish, and he was like, you know, he he was like that. He's like, okay, I've got to get back on board because when he said the first time he heard they were a Gotham TV show, he was like, well, they should get Siddig as Raish, and like, well, they did it. <laughs> yeah, I would have never thought of Siddig, but then again, that's because I always imagined David Warner playing it, even though I only have his voice <laughs> to <laughs> right. go by. But that is Rachel Ghoul for me. So it was it was great though. I mean, he looks the part. Yes, also. So, I mean, they, he, he embodies that way more than uh, anyone else that we've seen. Absolutely. And I love that Absolutely. he's rocking the green. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, they backed away from that costume in the, you know, like Batman Begins and yep, Arrow yep. and everything. They try to make well, because him Because we have to be realistic. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Realistic? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. You what, and your what realism you can leave, sir. <laughs> so what did you guys think about the, uh, the, the Court of Owls storyline? So I never read the book. I never read that storyline. Okay. But, of course, all my friends put their hand to it, thinking it's the Bible. And I, and I love the idea of the Talons. Uh, mm. So seeing it for the first time here on Gotham, there were probably some things I would have done differently. But overall, what they what they showed us as a product... I hella enjoyed. Yeah, I really liked it. I felt that they were kind of squandered. Now they're all dead, um, which I didn't yeah. really appreciate. I also thought it was ridiculous that they could glue together this crystalline owl that has the map inside, and the map still works perfectly. I'm yeah. like, I don't know hey, what glue. Man, you're no, using. it's not gorilla glue. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I don't know what glue you're using, but there's no way to get that thing back together so precisely that it's it's, it's, no, you see, it's glue. Wayne Tech. <laughs> 
clear glue. (laughs) (laughs) Designed specifically for crystalline with a map matrix inside. But I was glad Uh, that they explained why those owls were important. Yeah. You know, and why they were working so hard to get them back. And, you know, we haven't, you know, who we haven't talked about yet is Selena's mom. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that woman. (laughs) (laughs) That hot, Great deceptive, beautiful, <laughs> blonde woman. Yeah, I mean, very well casted. I, I would definitely agree with that. She <laughs> looks like she could be the mother of uh, of Selena. And it was heartbreaking that, you know, Bruce was right about her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because all this time Selena's been talking like, you know, you, you were never sure she even knew. I mean, because she has stories that she tells about her mom, and it's like, you know, how long has the mom been gone? You know, does she even know who her mom is? You know, what's going on there? And then to have her turn out to be that waste of space that shows up, uses her, and then, you know, goes away again, you know. Yeah, and, and you know, it was one of the few times that I felt like the Bruce-Selena spats actually work. Because a lot of times I feel like it's drama for the sake of drama, but that I got. You know, because I can see why that hit her very close to home. Yeah. And it drove a believable wedge between Bruce and Selena. Yeah. But I did like the fact that she was the one, the only one who could spot the clone. Although I had a hard time believing Alfred couldn't. I'm like, of of all people, Alfred should have been able to to spot that that was a fake Bruce. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think. I think that was, I thought he was on to him, uh, right when he got back and Mm. had the, the, uh, what was it? The shepherd's pie or whatever, but it turns out he wasn't. And I was like, Oh, come on, Alfred, you're smarter than this. Yeah. Because no matter how good the training was that he did to pretend to be Bruce, there's no way that you could have a lifetime's worth of just the little things that people, you know, say or, or, you know, do with each other or whatever that these two people would have had with Bruce growing up, you know, with Alfred. They would have had all kinds of things that they that they say or, or things they reminisce about that aren't public knowledge. Yeah. Plus, plus, it's not like he's not familiar with the fact that there's a duplicate of Bruce running right. around. Like, it's yeah. not like it's it's not like it's out of that realm of possibility for him he's like he's already it, met him before and really the, the the they could have salvaged the whole thing with one line when selena comes over there if uh alfred just said yeah i know he's the clone i've been playing him to find out where bruce is yeah. yes <laughs> yes yeah and that would have solved the whole thing what did you guys think of when he pushed her out the window do you guys have flashbacks to batman returns yeah. 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 Yes, obviously. Once she once she was was, on the floor, yes. Yeah. Yeah. When all the cats came running up, I was like, Oh, Batman returns. They're okay. Yeah, Uh, I expected that when she got out of the hospital she was gonna be like acting all cat like, and I'm glad they didn't put it to that degree. That makes no sense, but we'll go with (laughs) lapping up milk and You know, everything. Uh, if the, if it, if those were cats from a lab that actually had been exposed to the virus, it would have made a lot more sense. <laughs> right. Catch cats. Well, that's Tetch okay. Cats. Ivy just brings in some plants, and suddenly Selena's better again after being pushed out a window. It's like, oh, hey, this is Gotham. You take your logic and go home. Buddy. <laughs> right. <laughs> the special aroma from these plants can heal like deadly injuries. Really. <laughs> Get me we need some to put of those. these in every hospital room. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and I did like the way, you know, that, that does kind of, the one thing I did like about Ivy was how she was completely blasé about people that she controlled. You go away, never come back. Right. Or go back to what you were doing when I found you. 
Yeah, I feel like Ivy just needs a purpose. Yeah. Because right now it's like she kind of hangs around Selena because they used to be friends. Or she hangs around Oswald because she fished him out of the river. Although they never do explain why she fished him out of the river. It's just kind of like he wakes up and she's like, I saved you. You should be grateful. You know, it's like, okay. He was lonely? Yeah, I guess. You know, and I, again, I think they really are trying to do this whole, she's actually an innocent because she's still actually a kid. Mm-hmm. But they're not pulling it off real well, story-wise. I don't... To be honest, I don't think the actress is really that great, and I think I think she's working as about as well as she can. I, I think, uh, and I, you know, I hate to say that about somebody, but I, I really feel like she's she's pushing her limits as it is. Um, <laughs> but you know, I mean, everybody else is doing such a bang up job, and like I said, when she's in scenes with people like Robin Lord Taylor, she's fine because she, I mean, they can play off her very well. But left to her own devices, I think she's just like the scenes where she's by herself. It's just kind of like ooh ouch yeah well i do love when he like just can't stand that she's like nursemaiding him and everything and it's like and he doesn't get yet that she has some skills that could be useful and his complete and utter disdain for her <laughs> it's really fun yeah. To watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah and as i believe mr gordon put it out pointed out she needs better range on those pheromones yeah because <laughs> yeah, i have to wave my hand right under your nose that's not very helpful <laughs> But it's like, you know, whenever Fish shows up, or not Fish, uh, whenever Barbara shows up with a bunch of goons, it's like, um, pheromones, and we've already proven they work on women too. You know, just, uh. Can I say, that was one of the best moments in the show this season, though, when they're having the confrontation in Ivy's uh, greenhouse, and Fish just walks in. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, I'm Fish Mooney. I'm here for Cobblepot. We're leaving. Bye. (laughs) Even better. Um, uh, um. I was about to shoot here. (laughs) My favorite line in that best part was when she's like, you've got to love Gotham. Always people pointing guns, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, she had a great presence, and I think it just came down to they had no clue, or either she wanted out, or they had no clue what to do with her. But it makes me wonder, if she wanted out again, why did you come back in the first place? You know? Money? I guess. Yeah, who knows? Uh, you know, I, I think she'd done. She'd gone as far as she could. Mm. And and to be honest, even though I I I appreciate her more in the second and third season, I still she's not my favorite. So if she goes away, that's that's you know, and and plus with the story they're trying to tell, the only way that Fish is going to be around, like if she's going to be around, she's going to be the queen of the underworld, and they don't they need that void. They need they need that to be a penguin now. So, mm-hmm. so really, she's got no purpose. Yeah. She had to die. But I was surprised that it was Gordon who shot her. Like, I was, like, that surprised the heck out of me that he killed her. I was like, whoa, like, okay, that's different. Yeah. To that note, I was surprised also that I, I don't think that Barbara's dead. I mean, I don't know what the contract looks like with Aaron, so I don't know if she's going to be back or not. But killing her surprised me because I still feel like if Barbara, if she's going to die, she needs some sort of closure moment with Gordon. Yeah. And, and without that, you know, like, I, I don't know, you know, it just it seems like it's kind of a waste. So I'm guessing at some point she'll be back just so that she can, you know, if she does leave the show, I think she would, I don't think she'll do so without, or them writing a, a scene with her and, and Jim Gordon. Yeah. I, I refer to that finale as the house cleaning because <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. that because they've decided that they're moving forward to 
Bruce learning how to be Batman, that they're trying to get rid of all those extraneous characters that have nothing to do with Batman. So, you know, Barbara has nothing to do with Batman. Fish has nothing to do with Batman. They're bringing in, you know, characters like, you know, Ed's becoming the Riddler. You know, maybe Butch does become Solomon Grundy. You know, you got Mr. Freeze, you got Firefly, you got all, you know, Jerome's going to be the Joker, all this kind of stuff. And I, I think that's almost like how they're looking at it. It's just like, these characters worked when this was going to be a procedural, but now that we're going a different direction, you know, all of them can go. Yeah. But they still might reinvigorate Barbara as another character like Harley Quinn or something. But I think we're done with Barbara as Barbara. And, and I have to bring up, just because I have to, is it, it's kind of, is anybody else weirded out that we have a hot Mr. Freeze? <laughs> <laughs> no, he because was, I don't think he's hot. <laughs> no, when we run into him in his Arctic station, he's just in those coveralls with those abs, and it's like, wow, Mr. Freeze is hot. <laughs> How dare you, sir? Otto Preminger was sexy. <laughs> <laughs> What can I say? Paul doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> My problem with Mr. Freeze in this version is that his head is exposed. Yeah. It really bothers me. I, I want them to come up with something. I get, I get that they don't want it to be an upside-down fishbowl, but, you know, come up with something, guys. I mean, eh. you, you can cover his head somehow, because I'm like, shouldn't it be like you were just baking, you know? And, and why doesn't anyone shoot him in the head? You know, they're always shooting right at the torso, and it's like, oh, the bullets, they bounce right off his armor, and it's like, shoot his head, it's exposed. Yeah, but, well, that's the same reason they don't shoot Batman in the jaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really hard shot, when it's just like a few inches, you know. Yeah, I, I, isn't it funny how, like, this show is so off the rails and so crazy, but there's, each one of us has these different, like, little nitpicks that we're just right. like, nope, I don't, that, I'm, don't accept that. I'm, cr <laughs> you're crossing a line by letting Mr. Freeze have his head exposed. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, we all have them, and they're all different, and they're all crazy, but it's just, it's, it's just so funny to me. Like, it's like, I can accept all this crazy but not that, damn it. Yeah. Sir, you have crossed the line. <laughs> Mike Gordon, I'm still expecting, though, that we're going to see Freeze at some point go back to a freezer where he's collected all the little pieces of his wife. And he's just sitting there with, like, crazy glue or something and putting them back together. Because you put that idea in my head. And well, now I'm know, convinced it's going to show up. <laughs> that same glue that they used on the owls, man. That could <laughs> yeah. work with her. Yeah, we can't, yeah, let's get back to that court owls for a second because we really <laughs> didn't talk about them very long. No. I love the lady who was in charge or we yes. thought was in charge. Mm. I thought she yep. was a fantastic actress and character. But again, they really did undercut themselves by go by getting rid of the Court of Owls that quickly because mm -hmm. they did this great job of building up. You know, even Falcone was afraid of the Court of Owls. These are people mm -hmm. positions of power that can manipulate anyone. You have no idea. Oh, it's actually eight guys in a room. We just killed them all. What? Wait. That's not a conspiracy. That's a golf club. <laughs> well, and I'm glad they brought it back to the mystery from season one, because that's the one thing that I didn't want to be hanging out forever on this show, was who killed Bruce's parents. Well, we still don't know exactly who. Well, well, well we, we know the guy who pulled the trigger, and now we know that the Court of Owls ordered it, so it's kind of like... Okay, we we kind of got both sides now, but do we think that do we think that Gordon's uncle was really the one behind it? Yeah, I, I believe that. 
Yeah, same. But yeah. but well, the thing I was going to bring out, though, is the other thing they explained, though, is why Falcone... Because if you remember, way back to the first episode, Falcone was buddy-buddy with Gordon's father. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that was what I really liked. It's like, oh, because they're both, like, lackeys of the Court of Owls. You know, they were both, you know... They were both kind of part of that, you know, group. And so I felt like that... You know, that kind of brought that home as well. So I was glad that they hadn't just abandoned those ideas. I'm also glad that Falcone's back in general, just because I really hated that they wrote him out at the end of season one, because... He was so good. Oh, he's so good. And, you know, he's diminished now in a diminished role, but if they can ever bring him back to that scene where he's just like, I remember who I am, that was just perfect. You know, just the, the sheer you know, uh, restrained anger of the man when he's like, I am the most important person, you know, everyone's going to do what I say, and if you disrespect me, you're dead, you know, and I, I love that, and, and you know, he, he, he had the grief for his son and all that kind of stuff, but I, I want to see that version of Falcone back. Again, that's going to be difficult because, you know, with with Penguin being the main guy behind in the underworld, it's hard to, you know, it's going to be hard to, to establish somebody else. But it depends on how far they want to go with it. Well, yeah, I mean, there's always going to be somebody else. You know, sure, if they make sure, it where sure. it's like all criminals, you know, are, are Penguin's men. That'll be kind of boring. So yeah. there's got to be different groups. But yeah, I liked that. I like that they brought it back and they expl- they're explaining things. I like the fact that, I mean, it made, made me laugh every time because, like, towards the end, it was like, oh, I just killed the leader of the Court of Owls. Oh, no, wait, you're the leader of the Court. No, wait, you're the leader. Of the, right. Like, like they just kept, like, it was like a shell game. Like, you can never. So, really, I don't, you know, I mean, if they wanted to bring the court back, there's no real reason that they can't because they could just say, you know, well, this was a faction that was not with the main group because of this reason, because we had a contingency plan. And, you know, this was sort of their you know, like backup. And and I don't think all the talons are dead. So I think you still have like you could still have like a group uh, like the court. But obviously, this is a big, um, you know, this is a lot of damage for them. So they're going to have to lay low for a while. But I, so I don't expect to see them again right away. But like, if you if this show was going to go like more, even like longer, I could see them coming back. I just have one thing to say to you. Hail Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I've gotten kind of tired of that whole thing of, hey, we killed all these people off. Oh, but there's another fact, because I just see that all the time now. Yeah, but oh, wait, there's more. It's the. You know what, though? That's the thing. That's the beauty about Gotham. It takes these tropes that we've seen a million times and it spins them and it does something different for Or it gives you a little nod and wink and says, yeah, we know, but. Let's, we're just here to have some fun. Yeah. And because and it, it, there's so many times where it kind of does that. And it, and it cheats. It cheats all the time, like with story stuff and plot things and plot holes. But but yet we don't mind because it's just it's just crazy characters doing crazy things. And it's fun. And it's fun. So if you, you gave me another Court of Owl fun. leader that was exciting and I wanted, I'd be like, okay, they're back. Fine. I'm good with that. No. So does anyone else want them to figure out something different to do with Lucius? Me, yeah. Well, I'm th- I'm hoping that with this 
next season with them having Bruce uh, become more more like Batman training in that wise, mm-hmm. I'm hoping that we'll see Lucius move more back to the Wayne Enterprises side of things as opposed to I did think it was pretty weak and convenient for him to be always hanging around like mm-hmm. I'm like really there's nobody in in Gotham or the world that you can get to fill this position like right. I'm just like it just seems like it was just an excuse to have the actor do something and the character yeah. do something and really that's all he did was like you know he was the the uh the you know the he was the science guy yeah he was the science guy he was like the Wesley Crusher you know he <laughs> would come up like Wow. Uh, stu- like he would come up with a solution and you'd be like, thank you. And But they never did anything with him as a character, right? The, the best thing they did with him was with when the, how the Riddler got his mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Yes, that's true. That's true. That's yeah. when they figured out what to do with him. Yes. Yeah. I do. It's, it's just too bad it didn't last long. Right. Yeah. But yeah, I liked the fact that Ed saw him as the equal that he wanted to play the game with. And, you know, I thought that that worked out you know, really well. But yeah, then he went back to being just the guy in the background. Oh, you need a cure for the virus? I'm your man. You know? exactly. <laughs> God, he was never as annoying as Wesley, though. That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, I think didn't... the big yes. key is, though, as, as someone else said, is like, we've got to have a reason for him to be around. Oh, we'll make him work for the police now. Mm. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Yeah, they don't want the actor to go away now that they've established him. So it's like, we kind of have to have him on retainer until we get to, you know, Bruce doing some Batman-y things. Yeah. It's not like thinking, you know, every, you know, once every episode, you know, once every two or three episodes, we cut over to him, like, at a sandwich shop. Hey, what? I'm just having lunch. What? <laughs> you know, what are you doing? I have no connection to any of this stuff, but I'm still here. <laughs> I, I am going to say, because I need to give a shout-out every time that I can, Sean Pertwee is still the best dad who isn't a dad. Yes. Ever. <laughs> Al- his Alfred is so good. Yeah. He's, he's the Alfred that makes the most sense of any version of Alfred. Yeah, I mean, possibly the version in Batman v Superman, we haven't seen enough of him yet. But, yeah. you know, an Alfred that can really be uh, a mentor to bruce more than just like the servant yeah and alfred who will run into a room with a gun and shoot people yes (laughs) alfred who will hang people on the rooftop holding just their their tie (laughs) yes you're expecting to go this is my weak hand (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah you know uh, a tie isn't all that strong. It can snap really easily. <laughs> no, no. He buy, hey, this is hey, this is Hugo Strange. He buys quality ties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for this guy. <laughs> Good for hanging. Yeah. 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 And I did love the. You could leave when you wake up. What do you mean, wake? Yeah. <laughs> I did love later in the episode though. I was like, is, is Hugo still about on the roof? <laughs> You totally buy that he uh, just adores Bruce as if he was his own son. Mm-hmm. He just has that whole fatherly affection in a way that could be sappy if done by someone, the wrong person. But he's like, he's got that, he's got it right where it's like, you know, I'm affectionate to you, but I'm going to be a proper father. So, you know, I'm also going to be tough. And I, I just love how he plays that role. I always love father-son dynamic kind of things, and that's that's as father-son as it gets. I think well, he was that, just being a, uh, an English dad. I think that's well, exactly how the English dads are. Mm. And his, his speech in the last episode of like, you know, you have to find your true north, and you're my true north. Yeah. I mean, he sold that. Yeah. 
You know, the one thing, though, is I wanted, he said, like, find that one thing, Bruce, that you love more than anything else. I just wanted Bruce to say, justice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I probably will punch my phone. (laughs) What's your one true north, Bruce? Macaroons. What? Wait, what? (laughs) <laughs> I really hope, though, like, with how dismissive... Break, you know, because the show has fallen into this cycle with Bruce and Selena. They get together, they break up. They get together, they Have break up. Have you read up. Batman comics for well, the last no, no, 60 no, 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 right? No, this is no, not new. No, no, but, but I want there to be, like, a good amount of time between Bruce and Selena where when he becomes his new personality, it's the different... You know, so it's like when his sort of Batman-esque character, whatever he's going to call it before it's Batman, you know, makes his move, and there's Selina as her Catwoman-y self, you know, that they can have, like, a totally new dynamic and a totally new relationship. I don't want it to be, like, you know, season four, episode one, they're, you know, back together again. I I want that separation to be there for a while so that when they encounter each other again, there can be that thing where they don't know who each other is and it's, like, a totally new relationship. Here's what I want next season. And this will help the keep the distance between Bruce and Selena, I think, very well. Mm. Is we introduce Talia next year. Mm. Oh. Mm. We have Gotham version of Talia who's keeping an eye on Bruce for old daddy's sake. And yes, there's some sparks there. Maybe even Talia is the one who takes Bruce into manhood. <laughs> I, you know, like that's a that would be a really, really interesting dynamic, I think. And Damien shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, they already Wait, said you? Dick Grayson was there in, in, in the womb. In right, the yes. So. Yeah, well, you know, it would make a lot of sense, you know, time-wise. It makes a lot more sense than some of the comic, if you try to timeline that. It just right. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, the New 52, where, like, Batman's had four Robins in the span of five years. It's like, yeah, exactly. well, if he started when he was a teenager. Right, right. That was, that was a rough time. Yeah, so then by the time he's, like, 24, 25, Damien shows up. Up. He's like 12 or 13. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> I don't think, you know, as much as we've said that this show is like a show that would be like, would have been like a 10 o'clock show back in the 90s, I don't think they're going to have like a 14 year old kid like getting his girlfriend pregnant on Gotham. Yeah, I think that, that I is think one if thing. If this was probably... on FX, we would see something like <laughs> right, that. But right, right. Yeah, not on probably... Fog, yeah. But. <laughs> So, so it does still have some restrictions. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no baby mama dad. Uh, <laughs> there drama. are some limits. Don't expect to see Cobblepot making it with actually waterfowl. Uh, like it's gonna <laughs> not, you know, that's not that's probably not gonna happen. So. But, but I do think Datalia is a distinct possibility, and they still have uh, what's your name, Silver. Was that her name? Silver St. Cloud? Yeah. Yeah, she's yeah. still out there in the ether somewhere, so she could always return. Yeah, but I think, I think Tal- she's pretty done, though. Yeah, yeah, Talia dovetails into the Ra's al Ghul thing, though, so I yep. think that that's, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. I, that's, uh, that's, that's my, if, yeah, that's my prediction for who I think will pop up as far as new bat villains or bat characters next season. So, and again, it, and it makes sense because it would give, like I said, uh, she could help train Bruce, keep an eye on him and True. whatnot. It would make sense. And she could help keep you know that dynamic between selena and bruce apart yeah <laughs> she could train him in many arts <laughs> exactly yeah but bruce gets the ears from selena we all know it mm. oh yeah it's like you know what you're missing some pointy ears <laughs> <laughs> 
So, Mike, uh, Nelson, what about you? What would you like to see in the next season of Gotham? You know what? I want to see Man Bat. Just do it. Just do it. Just just throw it. Throw it to the wind. Just show me Man Bat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Because, yeah, they had Man Bat as one of the freaks, and I think he died um, early in the season. Yeah, I think he did. So, too. Death is no barrier on this Right, yeah, that's right. (laughs) they've, they've, They've already brought in, you know, the we can resurrect people thing, so they're going full comic book. Yeah, I mean, the Man Bat tease with the Freaks was really cool, mm-hmm. but I, I think we just need to just go full full in, 100%, just go all in, give us a Man Bat. I mean, yeah. at the same time, I do believe Hugo Strange survived. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. We, we can have a scene in Wayne Manor at night where Bruce is uh, contemplating, hmm, I shall need a costume, I shall need a concept, something that strikes fear into the heart of criminals, and then smash, Man Bat comes through the window. (laughs) (laughs) Like that! (laughs) I should look just like that! (laughs) You know, the clone is still around, too. Oh, that's true, that's true. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that little guy. And you gotta give it up to the the actor, the kid. He did great job separating those characters, Mm -hmm. that you could tell clone and when he was bruce yep. and even uh and even the scenes where he was supposed to be under the spell you know i thought he did a really good job with that stuff too david's really good i don't think he gets enough credit but he's matured quite nicely as a little actor on this show well he's learning from sam he's learning from pertwee <laughs> well that's true <laughs> right but also i think that it's the scripts weren't giving him the material to deal with until this season uh, so he didn't get to display his acting talent because uh, Bruce in season one had almost nothing to do. And in season two, he had a few bit parts that were really good, but the material was still fairly lacking. And it's this season where it's like, we're going to give you all the meat. You know, <laughs> it's like well, I think it's also a matter of the fact that they were really up until this season sticking with that concept of we're not going to do Batman, we're mm-hmm. never going to get to Batman. Batman is way in the future after this show is canceled. So what the hell do we do with Bruce? Right. No tights, and then no flights. And they're going, ah, we'll turn him into Batman. <laughs> I I think uh, you know just when he was having those flashbacks to the night his parents were killed, and they showed little David in that in that flashback in that you know from the season from episode one, and I was like, man, this kid has grown up. Yeah, no, I had the same reaction because I was like, I can't even, I can't believe that's how small he was. You know, yeah. <laughs> doesn't even like, look like old. the same person. Yeah. <laughs> It was only three years. They, those those Batman grow up so fast. Right. <laughs> it's not the years, it's the mileage. <laughs> <laughs> so, Gary, what about you? What would you like to see in the next season of Gotham? Uh, I uh, It's like, I would like to see Clock King, because he's one of my mm. favorite Batman villains. No. Um, the thing I would really like to see that I think would be interesting storyline-wise is give us Black Mask. Mm. Yes. Because... You know, now that Cobblepot's taken over, we need... I don't know. It might be nice to have a full season of Cobblepot as the kingpin of a crime, to to coin a phrase. But I think he works much better when he's got a good opponent, and Black Mask would be a great opponent. Excellent. Excellent choice. Yeah, especially if it's, you know, somebody bum, bum, bum under the mask. You know, yeah. I don't know who it would be. You know, it's Fish Mooney! <laughs> <laughs> Let's see who you really are, Black Mask. Right. <laughs> it's Old Man Winters from the amusement park. 
Although it would be fun if they did what, ever, what happened in the very first time Spider-Man fought Electro. And I pull off your mask and you're some guy I've never seen before. Who is right. this guy? Anybody? <laughs> I always like that because it makes sense that unless you're a celebrity, why would anyone even know who your identity was if they right. saw you? you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. One of the things I like about Black Mask's origin is it's it kind of mirrors Bruce Wayne in a sense but just the complete opposite yeah. where he actually killed his parents. He actually, he, and he went off into the underground world and instead of being stronger and being more morally sound from it, he grew into being in that kingpin esque and taking over doing business and dirty dealings as a gangster. And if they do a black mask, I actually want it to be where it's the kid, same age as Bruce. Oh, same, the kid he beat up in that first season. Did he? Yeah. Well, there's that one kid he who like he took the watch. Yes. Yeah, yeah and yes. Alfred and Alfred was like, "Do it, do it." And then he's like, "Remember, I'm the adult who let him beat you up." And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but wasn't that Tommy? Wasn't that Tommy? Like, oh yeah, that was hush? supposed to be Hush, mm. wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, not to say that they have to. You know, obviously Gotham doesn't have to admit anything. Yeah. But- yeah, I mean, I thought they were laying the seeds for a hush on that one. Yeah, well, I would definitely be okay with Black Mask being an adult, wearing the mask, just really being the front man of it, and it's actually just this kid running things in the behind. It's like, mm. what? I'm doing this. And then that is where I can go with, all right, Bruce, go Batman. He's your age. Go at it. That, would, it, that, that is one of the other things I've said about this show. It does explain how Batman has survived and beat up all these villains. They're all 20 to 30 years older than he right. is. <laughs> so he's beating up a bunch of geriatrics. <laughs> Arkham's actually a nursing home. Right. <laughs> now, I think last time I said one of the things I wanted to see was the Grey Ghost. But now I think that that ship has sailed. It'd be yeah. kind of hard to see with uh, Adam West having passed. But... You know, and and I don't think that, you know, putting in the Batutsi would, you know, be very good either. But one thing that I was thinking would be interesting is because I never liked how they did Two-Face, you know, or Harvey Dent, and they've kind of forgotten he existed, which is perfectly fine. But he's a character that I wouldn't mind them playing the game of, oh, uh, you know, D.A. Harvey Dent died, but actually this is his son, Harvey Dent Jr., who Bruce (laughs) can become best friends with, you know, or something like that. Because that's what I wanted to see from this show, you know, with the young Bruce anyway, was to have uh, Harvey as his friend. And uh, when they made that huge age difference, it was, you know, I knew that wasn't going to happen. So I'd like them to set that up as a real emotional connection that when Harvey becomes Two-Face that it could that it would matter like it's supposed to right yeah th- there's a lot of flaws from the first season that I really would like to either see them just go ignore it and go nope this is it's always been like this because that's mm-hmm. a very Gotham way to do it or do some kind of retcon like that yeah it would have been nice if they had um, used um, oh god why can't I remember his name um, the guy from Dollmaker's Island oh Jeffrey yeah, Combs Jeffrey Combs thank you Thank you. I would love for them to see a way to reuse him, uh, because he was woefully misused he was woefully underused yes absolutely like with all the crazy going on his you didn't even yeah right he didn't even get a one on the richter scale Mm -hmm. yeah but of course bd wong's kind of occupying the space that he would have occupied but to have them in the scene together that would be kind of amazing if we want him as a villain he'd make a good professor milo yeah Uh, Ooh, can we get to ring twill quest is that possible yes that That would be a cool one but that is entirely welcome yeah, yes. he could he he could be an act at the iceberg. As long as it's not Jeff Dunham. 
<laughs> no, no, no. Oh, okay. He would be a good dummy, though. Come on. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I would like that for them to actually have someone play the dummy instead of making it like a doll. You know, like actually have Scarface be like a real actor. Oh, mm. no, I want. No, I actually want Jeff Dunham to actually be it, but I just want him to be the actual dummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see he can do it i don't know i think that would be interesting because that would make it just really eerie if the if scarface could move on his own kind of thing i mean <laughs> still looking like it's the ventriloquist but you know do things that a normal doll couldn't do you know well, this is gotham it could always did that doll just move right i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's gotham of course it did Uh, And and it's got a gun and it's shooting at me. (laughs) The whole psychological aspect of the ventriloquist is is kind of interesting. I mean, Batman the Animated Series did a lot with that. And and the whole idea of, is this a distinct person or is it not? You know, kind of thing. So uh, I think it would be fun to play with that. Exactly. How crazy is this? In the new 52, I know they they made the ventriloquist into a female character. And I'd be curious to see which way they'd go with it on Gotham. But uh, um, I suppose whatever they just wanted to do with him. But yes, I think think ventriloquist could be really awesome. Especially since I think, you know, we've got the dynamic. We've got to try to figure out who is going to be Cobblepot's foil for the season. And although uh, I love the idea of Black Mask. And so bringing that in would be cool. Obviously, Gallivan's going to be in a position to kind of be annoying to him, but I don't know if she's really going to be in a position to be like go to war with him. So right, yeah, yeah. Of course, Jerome might break out of Arkham, and he's the foil for the Penguin. But I don't know. Right, but I that's to just going to be like I've, yeah. I've, I've always liked that actor, even when he first showed up. Mm-hmm. And I just have to say, I love any show which has someone actually punch someone's face off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that got pretty gross there for a while. Ugh. But good makeup work. I mean, speaking to what you were saying before, Mike Gordon, the production values in this show are really, really good. Because yes. it looks disturbing, you know, like 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 having your face like ripped off and sewn back on should. Yeah. Because we said before, like, you know, we've seen other shows like The Flash and everything, and they have ice characters as well. But, but what the special effects crew does with Freeze on this is just outstanding. It beats them all. Mm. It's actually ice as opposed to just a weird white beam that does <laughs> nothing. Like a CG right. thing, yeah. That's right. Well, yeah, on Legends of Tomorrow, it got really annoying when, like, it was just basically a blue laser that would knock people yeah. back. It wasn't even freezing them anymore. Yeah, and Heat Wave's gun is just a red laser, not right. a fire. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's a real flamethrower that the Firefly has. Yes, yeah, she looks mm-hmm. dangerous. Uh-huh. But I also say, I want to say, I love that the show cast a guy who was one of the Joker's he- crazy henchmen in The Dark Knight as Jerome's follower. Yes. <laughs> oh, that was so good. I thought that was a beautiful piece of casting. Yep. And I like the fact that there is that whole sort of cult of personality that's grown around him, where they're the people who gather to, you know, not truly understanding what it is that, that they think he's this character, that he's even way worse than they can imagine. So I, I like that whole thing because it again it speaks to the crazy that is in Gotham and why the city is sick and needs you know a Batman to save them. I really did like that whole entrance with Jerome has started the season off. The face just the fact that he cut the face off, man, just yeah. <laughs> what? we are all Jerome. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. And that's oh. good twist. That's a good twist. I'll give him that as a cult leader. That's good. That's good cult stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I love the way they did the ha ha ha's the and the the whole face logo thing. Mm. Ah, 
man. This season has just kept on surprising me with how good it could get. So, yeah, everything, every time I thought they were jumping one way, they jumped a different way. That's, that's what I really enjoy. All right, I think that we're kind of winding to the end of our Gotham discussion. Uh, does anyone have anything else that we haven't talked about yet that they you just are burning to talk about? Wow, we've uh, we've really like uh, done. Uh, I think covered everybody uh, yeah. to the extent that it's been. Yeah, I mean we've all the craziness. I think we've we've done a pretty good job of covering it. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so yeah, and we've talked about what we want to see in the next season also, so uh, I think it's time to say our goodbyes and let people know where they can find us. So, Mike, why don't you say, or Mike, (laughs) I keep saying that, there's two of you. Uh, Mike Nelson, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? You guys can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. That's T Rex because I'm a dinosaur. Rawr. And you can of course also find me over my website at trexlight.com. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Mike Gordon, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Thank you again, sir, for the invite. It's been very fun to uh, go through Gotham without uh, having gunfire endanger us all. But uh, you can find me, of course, on the on the quote unquote the mothership. Uh, the ESO podcast, which we uh, record and release weekly, and um, and that is esopodcast.com. I'm also the co-host of uh, Earth Station Who, which is a Doctor Who-related podcast. And when I'm not podcasting, I actually uh, write and publish comic books, so you can check that out at newlegendmike.com. And thanks again. It's been my pleasure. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming on, and we're always glad to have you. And Gary, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? Goodbye, everybody. Uh, you can find me at DragonCon in the American Sci-Fi Classics track. We have a Facebook group, uh, Facebook slash group slash American Sci-Fi Classics, or just search for DragonCon American Sci-Fi Classics. And you can find me at RevolutionSF.com and on the Twitters as Gary underscore Mitchell, Mitchell with one L. So there you go. Hey, Gary, it's great to have you on the podcast. And Mike and Mike, thank you for joining me this week. No problem. Thank you. And that marks the end of our Gotham podcast. We hope that you enjoyed it, and you can let us know in a variety of ways. One way is by emailing us at everything at 42cast.com. You can also drop a line on our website, which is 42cast.com. You can tweet to us at at 42cast. You can also leave us a message on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher Radio and iTunes. You can also support the show by going to the TeePublic website and ordering a 42Cast t-shirt or tote bag or mug or pillow or any of the things that they offer on that website. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Another way that you can support the station is by ordering the Tales from the Station Volume 2 book that Mike Gordon was talking about in this episode. I'm going to put a link to that in the show notes as well. So this is the end of the various episodes that I had stored up for seasons of TV shows that have already, where the next season has already come out. So uh, I, I hope with my more regular release schedule now that I'll be able to keep up with things and we'll be able to clear out the backlog and finally get caught up so that we don't have this situation again where we're speculating on Gotham Season 4, but Gotham Season 4 has already come out. So uh, I hope you enjoyed it anyway, though. There's still a lot of stuff that we speculated on and talked about that isn't really really obsolete so um, i'm hoping that people still get enjoyment out of it but that wraps things up for now so please join us back next week when nick briggs 
will be joining us. Uh, yes, that's right. Nick Briggs, voice of the Daleks and uh, co-producer of Big Finish Productions. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> I'll tell the story in next episode, but I actually got to be on a panel with him at Chicago Tarda. So I recorded the panel. It's about the first Doctor Adventures that Big Finish is doing. And so uh, that's what's coming up next. So until then, this is Nathan signing off. You've been listening to the 42 cast, copyright 2018. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. Incidental music is provided with permission by Fur DK. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.